This podcast is sponsored by Faithful Counseling. What's up, guys? It's your girl, Victoria J. from 12th Street Talk Back and Morning Inspirations. Did you guys pour into yourself? I hope you poured into yourself today. If not, sometimes we can need a little bit more pouring. And today, I'm here to offer you just that with my new friends and partners, Faithful Counseling. You all always hear me talk about partnering with my Christian Conrads in Christ and always needing that extra shoulder to lean on as well as my faith. Well, today you can take comfort in having that exact same partner with Faithful Counseling. Thank you, Faithful Counseling, for sponsoring this podcast. With Faithful Counseling, you will get access to your needs and you'll be matched with your own licensed professional therapist who is a practicing Christian. That's right, who is a practicing Christian. You can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's text, chat, phone, or video call. And you can message your therapist at any time to schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. And if your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional cost. With Faithful Counseling, you get the same professionalism and quality you can expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you. More scheduling, flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at faithfulcounseling.com slash 12th Street Talk Back. That's faithfulcounseling.com slash 12th Street Talk Back. I've also linked it in the description below. Let's start pouring into yourself today with your new partner at Faithful Counseling. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome back to Morning Inspirations. I hope everybody's feeling blessed on this beautiful, beautiful Monday morning that God has decided to wake us up in. Let's give God some praise. Let's give God some praise. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning with thanksgiving and praises in our mouth. We thank you on this day, Father God, for breathing your breath into our bodies. We thank you for every working organ and every beating heart that's in the earshot of my voice, Father God. We thank you for the eyesight that you've gifted us and the ears to hear, O Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, as we go on our day today, Father God, let our hearts and our minds stay steadfast on your word, Father God. May we come one with you, O Heavenly Father. Let us not go astray, O Heavenly Father, but come out of the dark into 
into the light, oh Heavenly Father, on this day, Father God. We thank you for our family and our friends. We thank you for our nation's leaders, oh Heavenly Father. Put a hedge of protection around and about our children today, oh Heavenly Father. Make their crooked path straight, oh Father God. Let them hear a word from you, Father God. Let us be vessels, Father God, and fixtures, Father God, in increase in our abilities, Father God, to be the women and men of God that you have called us to be, oh Heavenly Father, to be the vessels, Father God, in our families' lives, Father God, in our strangers' lives, Father God, people that come in and out of our lives, oh Heavenly Father, let us, let them see more of you and less of us, Father God, let us increase in you, oh Heavenly Father, and decrease in ourselves on this day, Father God. As we go forth today, Father God, let our light shine ever so brightly, Father God. Continue to feed us, Father God, and let the words of your daily bread be etched across the tables of our heart on this day. We thank you in advance for the things that you're doing in our lives, Father God, and the things that you are about to do in our lives on this day, Father God. Let us not look north, east, south, or west, Father God, but look straight ahead with our eyes on you, O Heavenly Father. Seek thee first the kingdom of heaven and watch all things be added to us. You are not a God that you shall lie, O Heavenly Father. And we thank you in advance. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I hope everybody's feeling blessed on this beautiful, beautiful Monday morning that God has decided to wake us up in. I know I am feeling blessed. I got filled up with the word yesterday and I am ready to be on go this week. I want more of him and less of me. Sometimes you just got to say it to him. God, decrease me so that I can increase in you. Give me the insight in my life to be the person that you've called me to be. The walk is easy. You just got to have a made up mind. So let's dig into what I'm reading on this morning. I left off telling you guys about Moses. Moses uh, fleeing into Midian and working for Jethro, his father-in-law, and tilling the land and the flock and all that good stuff, all the stuff they used to do back in that day. Back in that day where it actually was of value and made them money. I tell you right now, I was having a conversation with someone in church and we were talking about cars and things and we started to talk about horses and and they were telling me back in the day, horses didn't cost as much as they cost today. Horses, cattle and all this stuff, they were already rich and all that stuff, sharecropping and, you know, animals and all that good stuff, cattle, they were already rich in that. God had blessed them in that. In today's world, we look at the money, the monetary value, the thing that jingle and the thing that fold. But back then, it was the same way, but it was more barter and trade, barter and trade. Or basically, you got something that I need, I got something you need, so let's get together and make this 
thing happened. And in, in, in this modern world, and I can't just say in the world we live in now, but even back in our parents and our grandparents, everything started to shift more. Everything became about the almighty dollar. But boy, when I found out that revelation about, you know, that got that thought from someone that I was speaking to about the horses, I said, yeah, that's right. Horses cost more than cars these days. <laughs> you just got to, you know, it, it is the luck of the draw. But if you start to think about things in that light as you're reading your word, uh, Things will just pop out to you. I just thought I would throw that little tidbit in there this morning. Sometimes I can get away from myself, but let's move on. We're in chapter three, actually chapter four, coming out of chapter three. I just want to go back to chapter three, verse uh, 17 through 22 before we head on into four. Verse 17 starts out like this. And I have said, I will bring you up out of affliction of Egypt into the land of Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hamorites, the Amorites, I'm sorry, and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jesuitites to the land flowing with milk and honey. Then they will heed your voice and you shall come you and the elders of Israel to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to Lord our God. But I am sure that the king of Egypt would not let you go, no, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near the house, articles of silver, articles of gold, clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. And let me stop right there. That was the ending that we didn't get to on Friday of chapter 3. And it reads a little bit different in the King James. I'm reading out of my new King James this morning. But I did make some notes out of my King James. And I, I like to flip back and forth between the two Bibles. I like to read my King James. And I like to read my NIV. And I like to read my New King James. All of it reads different but says the same thing. But for understanding. I would suggest if you're new in Christ that you do get the New King James and the NIV as well as a commentary because it helps break down the word of God for you. Sometimes we can read something and interpret it to be something else. So that's why all the books. But in my King James, it tells them it tells the same way, but in a different language. And he tells them, you know. God says to Moses, you know, I am that I am. And thou shalt say unto the children of Israel that I am has sent me unto you. So go gather together the elders of Israel and say this unto them. 
I have surely visited you and seen that which it has done to you in Egypt, and I will bring you out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jesusites, into the land of milk and honey. And they shall hearken unto the voice. They will say unto the king of Egypt, the Lord God of the Hebrews have met with us. Now let us go. He tells them that this is going to be a three days journey. And for most of us that has read this particular story, we remember it turns into 40 years, a three days journey. We'll get into that in just a minute. But I want to go back to where when Moses asked God, who should I say sent me? He said, I am that I am. He referenced to himself in this way, letting Moses know that there's nobody before him. There's nobody with him. There's nobody above him. My Matthew Henry says to me, note to self, I am that I am. This explains his name, Jehovah, and signifies his self-existence. He has his being of himself and has no dependence upon others. Being self-existent, he cannot be self-sufficient and therefore all-sufficient. So, therefore, all efficient. And he said, let Israel know this, that I am, has sent me unto you. The Lord of your fathers has sent me unto you. In this way, my Matthew Henry tells me, God made himself known. It's just that. He made himself known by mentioning Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, the God of Abraham, letting them know that he is the same God that he was to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And some of our older people will say, the same God that he was yesterday, he still is today. The same God that Abraham Isaac and Jacob worship the same God. Moses is instructed here that this is going to be his task. Can you imagine going to a bunch of people and telling them that God has sent you, that I heard from God and he has sent me to deliver you out of the hands of of the Egyptians. And I come to you saying, the great I am has sent me. Not only does he send them, he gives them instructions. He said, I'm going to stretch out my hand to the king of Egypt, and I know he won't let you go. (laughs) He said, but I will do wonders in the midst, and after that he will let you go. He said, but you won't leave empty-handed. 
My King James tells me that every woman shall borrow from her neighbor. Every woman shall borrow from her neighbor. Let's think about that for a moment. Every woman should borrow from her neighbor. And sojourneth. And I looked that word up. And it said to me, someone that dwelled with them. Someone that they knew. Someone that could help them in the time of their journey. Give them things that help them with their journey so it won't be difficult. But as we just saw, as I read it out of my new King James, it just simply said, but every woman shall ask her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons, and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. You're going to borrow this stuff from your neighbors, and they're going to give it to you. It wasn't like the spoils when Simon and Reuben went and slaughtered that whole camp and took the spoils and the women and children. He's telling them these people are going to willingly give you stuff because you're going to borrow it, but you're going to just take it, which you're not leaving empty-handed. So, as we move on in chapter 4, then Moses answers and says, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. He's questioning. He has doubt there. My Matthew Henry tells me that here Moses gets particular instructions to do this work and get and, and God gives him information beforehand of his success that he must deal with the elders of the land and raise their expectations of speedy removal to Canaan. His success of the elders would be good, but my Matthew Henry tells me that he has questions. He has doubt that they would trust that the Lord, that God, has sent them, sent him. And he got to deal with the king of Egypt. He got to deal with the leader, the elders of Israel. The king of Egypt tell, put these demands on them and tell them that he spoke to thou God. Moses kind of objects here as we move along. So the Lord said unto him, What is in your hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. That they might believe that the Lord God 
of fathers. God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. So now we have God answering Moses' question about who should I say sent you. You have God answering Moses' thoughts and question. How, who am I that they may believe me? Who am I that they may believe me? And God shows him with the rod that he has in his hand. Because he just told us in the beginning that I will show signs and wonders. But the king still won't let you go. But I will perform signs and wonders in front of thee. But he ain't gonna have a choice. I will prevail. I am that I am. In a lifetime, we question so many things in our life, especially if you are believers. We get sick, our children get sick, hard headedness and stubbornness set in from everybody man, woman, or in children. We got this thing about us. Sometimes we on this side of the fence and sometimes we on that side of the fence. Sometimes we believe and sometimes we doubt. If any of you were raised in an old school house, you probably heard your parents say, you just got to know that you know that you know that you know. But doubt still creeps in because we have to bring that flesh up under subjection to the will of God. We got to get out of our head and depend on that faith. That's where faith, as small as a mustard seed, comes in at. We got to stand on God's word and know that you know. So here, for me, as I am reading this the second time, I had a million questions swirling around in my head, just like I did when Abraham questioned God about destroying Solomon and Glamour. God didn't grow impatient. He continued to answer the question. So he says to him in chapter 4, verse 6, Furthermore, the Lord said unto him, Now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous, like snow. And he said, Put your hand into your bosom again. So he put his hand in the bosom again and drew out of his bosom. And behold, it was restored like his other flesh. Then it will be if they do not believe you, nor heed the message on the first sign, that they may believe the message of the latter sign. Hey, look, if they don't believe that I sent you, 
when you tell them, I am that I am sent you, the great I am, the Lord, the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Look, that's when the second time, second psalm's gonna come in. I'm gonna start showing them who I am. And it shall be if they do not believe you, even these two sons, or listen to your voice, that you should take water from the river and pour it on dry land. The water which you take from the river will become blood on the dry land. Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth or who has, who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what to say. But he said, oh Lord, please sin by the hand of whoever else you may sin. But the Lord said, chapter 4, verse 14, So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth and I will be with your mouth. And with his mouth, I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people and he himself shall be as a mouth for you. And you shall be to him as God. And you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. So Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they still are alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. Go in peace. We stopped at chapter 4, verse 18. You know, God is sovereignly in control of all things. Always has been, always will be. But when he shows Moses here, after Moses insists, they're not going to listen to him by just his voice. He gives him two signs of belief. Put your hand in your bosom. Came out white as snow. Throw your rod on the ground. It turned into a snake. Now in my mind, I know that we all do things in a different way. But when I went on that mountain and saw <laughs> that the bush was burning, but it was not consumed, 
and someone called my name and I said, here I am. The questions that Moses had probably wouldn't have been swirling in my head if I was in this day and time back then. (laughs) But we still do it as today. Today, we still question things that we see with the natural eye. A thought, especially if you walk in with your Heavenly Father, that He places on the inside of you. We still try to rationalize whether it's God speaking to us or something that we're doing on our own accord. When God tells you to move, you move. But you have to have a personal relationship with him to listen to that still, small voice on the inside of you. We all have a conscience. Something that'll tell us the difference from right and wrong. Some of us, most of us, all of us, choose to ignore our conscience most of the time. Especially that nagging feeling that you get in the pit of your stomach and something we like to call worration. That nervous energy. We'll do it anyway, even when we get that gut feeling that we shouldn't do it this way or go that route. And normally, most of us will come back and say, I know I should have listened to my gut feeling. But God has given him signs here. And he tells them in the beginning of this, if you remember back on Friday, he said, go. I want you to deliver my people out of the hand of the Egyptians and I will be with you. Same thing he told Jacob and Joseph, Isaac, Abraham, I'm going to be with you. That's their security, their surety. But Abraham had questions for God. Jacob wrestled with the angel of God. Here we got Moses. In the speech thing, I struggle with that too. I get get, get tongue-tied. My words get jumbled. Sometimes I listen back at some of my shows and I laugh because my brain is thinking faster than the words are coming out of my mouth. I know what I intend to say. Sometimes it just doesn't come out right. And sometimes I ask God, give me the voice of Aaron. Slow my thoughts. My husband and I were just talking about that over the weekend as we listened to one of my shows. And I made a misstep. And he said, your brain thinks fast. And that when it comes out, it may not catch up as fast as your brain is moving. He said, but Victoria, that's a good thing. That means you can think on your toes. He said, me, I have to formulate 
in my head what I want to say before it comes out the way I want it to say it. He said, but if you slow down your words, not your brain, it'll come out just right. And that made me think. And in reading this, when Moses tell God, you know I'm slow to speak. Slow to speak. God gets angry with him. And he says, isn't Aaron your brother? Isn't he your brother? Well, then I'll tell you what. I'm going to send him to be your mouthpiece. My Matthew Henry tells me that Moses keeps making excuses and he pleads that he's no good as a spokesman. God is pleased sometimes to make a choice of those as his messenger who have the fewest advantages of art or nature. Christ's disciplines has no boundaries on who he's going to use, much less the Holy Spirit can use you. When God answers him, he answers him with anger, yet he continues to reason with him until he has overcome. To balance out Moses' weaknesses, he reminds him of his own power. He said, who has made man's mouth? Have I not, I the Lord? So God has reminded him, I made your mouth, made your eyes, your ears. I have all power in my hand. Actionist, I made you. So everything is perfectly made if I made you. And he, he's trying to encourage him there. But he said, okay, I'm going to get Aaron to join you. That Aaron will be your mouthpiece, and you'll be Aaron's mouthpiece, and I'll be your mouthpiece. Brothers, so sometimes, as we've heard, God can use anybody. Anybody he wants to. The most unlikely person. For his glory. For his glory. And when we get that down on the inside of us. We'll be better off. We judge. We're divided. Backbiters. Gossipers. Envious, hatred, strife. And we'll look at someone and have known them 30, 40 years and still don't believe that they changed 
And most of us have a nerve to want people to prove it to us. Or you have somebody watching from the side, just waiting to see that old you. But right here in this moment, in this instance, even though it speaks of how Moses starts his journey. In my heart, it speaks to me at that pivotal moment where he says, who made thou mouth? It speaks to me and say, I can use who I wanna use to do what I wanna do because everybody that I made is perfect. So when we're walking around judging people and looking at people and waiting for them to slip up in everything that they do, especially as believers, we got to remember that one thing. God can use anybody he wants to use for his purpose. And you may not be in the limelight if he used you. That might not be his purpose. You may be the stepping stone for him to elevate that other person. Like what Aaron here. Even though God gets angry at Moses, he said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. After he gets angry, isn't Aaron your brother? Well, I'm going to let him be your mouthpiece. You're going to be his mouth. You're going to tell him what to say, and I'm going to tell you what to say and do. So he's already, for me, got tired of encouraging Moses. Now, look, I done told you I'm going to be with you. That's all you really need to know. But he shows him different things. And here Moses still making excuses. We all do that. We make excuses. We're all guilty of that. Pick something today in your life that you keep making excuses about. And you know that you're making excuses about it and change it. Victoria J. already have kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. In a major way. A couple weeks ago. I made up my mind to go a route that I wasn't sure that God was sending me. Sign after sign after sign. And didn't know why I kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. Now it's settled in my heart. I needed confirmation. And God gave it to me. But in my heart, I knew that this is what he wanted me to do. But I still needed to hear the words from a human being. What's on your conscience that you know God has sent you to do? That you need to do, but you feel like you need that human contact to go through with it. Take it back to the altar. Lay it down and leave it there. Be blessed. Go on with your day-to-day. Remember, a kind word costs nothing, but a hot meal goes even further. We're coming up on the holidays. Think about your brothers and sisters in Christ. 
do the right thing. Give somebody a kind word. Lift somebody's spirits today. And if it be in God's will, we'll see you right back here on Wednesday. Be blessed, everyone.